our youth, especially with our young adults, but you guys have heard that, but I, I want to encourage everybody that's between the ages of 13 and 18, if you wouldn't mind getting up from your seat quickly, where you're at, wherever you're at, if you're between the ages of 13 and 18, uh, sorry, no, no, I'm right, I'm right, don't confuse me. Nice, guys, look at all these youngsters in our church, friends. Let's encourage them, man. So, so guys, we are, we are really working hard with the Lord's helping us to provide for our, our upper room space to finish uh, doing that. If you still want to give towards the revamp of that, you're welcome to. But if you wouldn't mind making your way through to the uh, veranda at the back, Dallin's going to be ministering to you there. Uh, we're going to have a great time just connecting with our youth there. Uh, they get a, a preach of their own. Um, and because we just found that uh, so many of the teenagers that come, they think my preaching is uh, boring. So we organize them more exciting guys there as well. No, that's good. Wonderful. Look at how many there are. Yes, I'm so excited about that. Yes, so. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, friends, as we get into our word today, I want to just take a moment to welcome those of you that are watching us online. It's such a privilege to connecting with us, even when you're maybe not in town. And if you're looking for a good church uh, to connect with in person, you can obviously connect with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 uh, or here in Clarkstop or at 9.30 in Potchefstroom as well. So we're continuing our Engage series. And I, I want to ask you have, you, have you been engaging? Have you been engaging with God in terms of His purpose and plan for your life? Have you been intentionally asking, Lord, what is the purpose, what is the vision that you've called me to? Uh, and last week I spoke to us, remember my, my whiteboard ex example, I spoke to us about engaging in the uh, pathway called discipleship, that our journey from, to God is not that I, I don't start this journey saying, one day I want to get close to God. So I give my life to Jesus and then I pray and I go to a light group and I come to church and I, and I read the Bible and I serve and I do all of these things. And eventually, if I'm really good, then eventually I get close to God. No, when you and I accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are already close to God. Jesus comes and makes his life and, and, and home inside of us. And the purpose of our, him living in, our, in us is so that we would uh, achieve and, and prioritize the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything in you and I from that moment onwards is, is our hearts are inclined. We're engaging with God saying, God, I want you uh, to be the Lord of my life, and I want every part of my life to express that. But then the second part of that command is that, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And friends, if we can't accept Christ and enjoy his blessings and his benefits without making an impact in people's lives, and that's the real difference. When we and I try and cl get closer to God, this whole aim here is all about me. How close am I to God? Who, how far am I away from God? But actually, when God is in me, I need to ask the Lord, how does what you're doing in me impact the people around me? My relationships, my finances, my physical life, my workplaces, where I'm going, um, how does that impact it? And today, I'm going to be speaking to us about engaging in God's, um, you know, people, the church. And, and I want to start off with just history's greatest mystery. How is it that in the most remote, worst part of the Roman Empire at the time, literally the armpit, that's what they were referring to it. If you, if you were a Roman, you know, so Pontius Pilate, he must have done something really wrong to be, have sent, been sent to Judea 
to govern that part. If you were a Roman citizen or, or a governor or whatever, that was the worst place you wanted to be ambassador to. I don't, know, I don't know what place in the world at the moment, maybe Somalia or someplace like that, who's got some civil war happening, you know, if you're, if you're gunning for some positions with, with, uh, the, in politics. Um, that was the worst place for any person to go. How does this little Judean sect, this little thing that starts here in the middle of nowhere no, that nobody wants to go to or be a part of, how does it actually able, how is it able to actually thrive and grow and mushroom out in the midst of violent, intentional, even state-funded persecution to try and quench it? How does this movement manage to grow? I mean, how does this same movement one day, if you go to the uh, Colosseum in, in, in Rome, if you go through the emperor's entrance, Above that entrance is a crucifixion. How does this nothing, nowhere, small little movement, how is it capable of actually breaking through and then after 300 years of persecution and wanting to be stopped and quenched, that that very empire that tried to extinguish it actually embraces it as its official belief system? And today, my friends, if you had to go uh, to, to all sorts of democracy, science, whatever advancements has, that have come, that we would say right or wrong, what's morality, all of those things have been birthed from a Judeo-Christian worldview that was formed and shaped in the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How is it possible that this could triumph against all odd, odds. And, and I mean, historians have been asking this question for many, many years. Um, Corin Armstrong, she's a, a historian and a, and a writer. If you like kind of good historical Christian books, I think this is a good, she's a good author to look at. Um, but in her book, Fields of Blood, it says, against all odds, by the third century, Christianity had become a force to be reckoned with. We still do not really understand how this came about. How is it possible that we are able to today still be impacted by this more than 2,000 years later? How is it possible? Now, it's amazing that if nobody could stop it, the one reality that we need to realize is that every movement that was birthed over the years, and I mean, there'll be other movements that will come, every single one of them had one thing in common. They obviously had a leader. That's someone who had some ideas about how the world was supposed to work and how it was going to change. But each and every one of those movements stopped when? When their founder died. And within a couple of generations, it was completely made nothing. And, and maybe there'll be some followers here and there, but it ne never really had full impact. Why has Christianity survived? Well, we know why. Because Christ died, yes, but he also rose from the dead, friends. And that is the thing that changes everything. I mean, Jesus was a Galilean common carpenter, a day laborer. How does this guy's ideas change the whole world if God wasn't involved in it? And so in the, in the midst of this, friends, as that is a backdrop, 
I want you and I to see that you and I have actually been a part of, we are a part of the story because every other movement made some predictions and some prophecies and said, listen, this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to roll. Jesus also made some prophecies, but his has in fact, fact come true. So Jesus finds himself one day walking in, um, in this area or, you know, north of Jerusalem. Um, it, it was, today we would look at it, we would call it Syria. And um, it was a place called Caesarea Philippi. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 16. Now, friends, I want you to just pause here as we begin to read. As you're paging there, I know that it will be on the screen as well. But in the Bible, if you and I study the Word, if we really want to understand a concept or an idea that the Bible teaches, one of the key principles they teach you when you're studying is, is, to ref, is referred to the, the law of the first mention. When was it very, mentioned for the very first time in the Bible? Because the, the context and the way in which it was described in the, for the first time, that should set the tone on how we interpret and understand every other time it is recorded. And so let's read together, and I'll show you why that is significant. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, bar Jonah, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not prevail against it. Jesus is basically asking his disciples, so guys, what's the word on the street about me? You know, some of you might ask yourself that question. What do people say about me? I recently did that with our eldership team. I was like, hey guys, tell me, what's it like being on the other side of me? It was interesting hearing people's perspective. Thankfully, most of the things they shared, my wife had already shared with me. So I was safe. I was like, yes, I've heard this before, but now I realize I really need to listen. She's got a bit of backup, okay? <laughs> but they were basically saying, well, some of them, some people say you're, you're, you're Elijah or you're, you're John the Baptist. You're reincarnated from some other spiritual leader from some place. And the same spirit that was on them is now on you. You know, we've got religions and, and, and things that, that operate on that premise today. But friends, that's not a legitimate, I don't, I don't want to follow somebody. I don't know, are you, are you really it? Are you not it, you know? But then a, a change of events happened. Finally, Peter pipes up and he's, he's got the right answer <laughs> this time around. He says, no, 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 you are the Christ, the anointed one. The son of the living God. You are the final king. You are the son of God. And friends, Jesus' reply to that statement floors the disciples. They were amazed at what he had just said because they couldn't believe what was coming out of his mouth. Because remember, friends, when he says on this rock, he's not saying, Peter, you're the rock. Even though Peter's name was changed from, you know, Reed to somebody that's steadfast. But he's, that rock he's talking about is the statement that Christ is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the chosen one that has been set apart. So you and I 
Now we set our lives on Him. That's what we sang about this morning. My firm foundation is Christ, and I'm living and I'm building my life on that. And then he says, on that rock, on this statement that I am the, the son of the living God, what is he going to do? He will build his church. Now, friends, that word church should never have been in our Bibles. The, the Greek word is ecclesia, which basically means my movement, my people, my gathering, my called out ones. That's what it means, friends. The word church was a German word that was added much later, and it actually just refers to a building or the place of God. So when you and I hear that I will build my church, Jesus isn't going to put bricks here. His Holy Spirit isn't busy building places for people to worship Him. This is just a place. Next week it will be used by somebody else for something else. Friends, the church is people, you and I who have come to understand that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we should submit ourselves, yield ourselves to Him in surrender towards Him. And when He says that the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail, He's not talking about hell as in eternal damnation. He's talking about the place of the dead. He's basically saying that death isn't going to stop it. He predicted it. He says that that even if I die, Peter, even if you die, John, if, if you die, Matthew, you still got to write some letters. Even if you die, this is not going to stop. And for you and I today, we can put our trust. This is why, what historians have come to conclude. If we look at the, the impact of the gospel, you and I can trust the firsthand eyewitness accounts that have been written here. And your and my life are, is still being impacted by the, their testimony. And so when I speak about the law of first mention, when you hear church, friends, you've got to hear gathering. You've got to hear movement. You've got to hear people. Do not think a place. Think a people. And today I want to speak to us about this fulfillment that you and I are called to be together. What a beautiful call together to be planted in the house of the Lord to be with him. And so today I want to speak to you about engaging with God's people. And I basically want to say to you, stop going to church. Stop going to church. If this is your first Sunday this year, and you've decided I'm going to go to church, I want to tell you, stop it. <laughs> Why do I say that? Some of you are like, yes, Gareth, what's up? I, I, I got my best dressed here. I don't want you to come or to go to church, friends. I, I have these encounters. I shared with you uh, one of them in, in December. I had a different encounter with somebody uh, a while ago. You know, be, the conversation would begin, you know. Normally, I'm, I'm in the car park, and somebody looks at me like, you know. And then I'm like, oh, you must know me, because there's a big crowd here. I can't see and know everybody. So I'm like, and they're like, hi, hello, my pastor. I'm in your church, you know, and my, like my church. Okay, so then start chatting to them, and then, but I'm like, I'm, I don't know how often, so they tell me, yes, I'm struggling, can you please pray for me? I'm struggling in my marriage or my finances, I've got some big decisions that I've got to make, I've got some, some challenges I'm faced with, and normally when I ask them, so, so do you go to church? They're like, yeah, yeah, I go to your church. Okay, but 
it doesn't seem like it's helped you. How often do you go? Oh, you know, we, when I can. When, I, when I'm in town. When there's not some sporting event happening the night before or, you know, it's late in the, uh, Saturday night and I've got to travel back from, from a wedding or some function and it's, it's just inconvenient for me. 9.30 in the morning, Sunday morning, is, it's difficult for me. And, and to which I'm like, Yo, okay, I'd love to pray with you, but you're missing out. You really are missing out on the big picture of what it means to be a part of God's church. Friends, I want to tell you that it is God's highest calling for you to never go to church. It's God's highest calling for you never to go to church. Why do I say that, friends? Because God hasn't called you to go to church. God's called you to become like Jesus. God's called you to be plugged in to relationships where people are like, yes, I've got to change and I'm growing and I'm loved and I'm caring and I'm serving. God's purposes and plans are being outworked in my life, friends. The point of your journey to, with God is not to go to church, friends. Your, the point of your journey is to become like Jesus and to change the world with a group of people that's part of a movement and a group and a gathering of people that's changing the world together. Friends, that's what God has called us to. And I love this psalm, Psalm 92. He says, the righteous will flourish. This morning, Cherie shared this word. She didn't know this was one of my key scriptures for this morning. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish. Again, there's that word in the courts of our king. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green proclaiming. What do they proclaim? People that are planted. This is their proclamation, friends. The Lord is upright. He is my rock. He is my rock. The Messiah, the Son of the God, uh, living God, lives inside of me. And no matter what I'm experiencing, no matter what my life goes through, the ups and the downs, the relational challenges, the financial pressures, Christ is my rock. And because I'm settled and built on the rock, and I'm planted like a palm tree and a cedar, Friends, I flourish. That is God's plan for you and me. Because I know too many people, like I said, I meet them, I see them. They, they come into the life of the church. They try it out a bit. They attend, they pop in and they out. But they never really change. And God doesn't want that for us, Lord. I, want, I pray that God would do that within us. I love this imagery, friends. When it, the, the righteous will flourish. They will be growing spiritually. God wants you to grow spiritually. They'll become strong. Your faith will not be shaken by the circumstances. Even when you're old, friends. I know some very, you, you guys know Mally, and there's so many, so many of you I can evade, and so I mean, spend a lot of time with them in the office. But I'm, I'm inspired by them in old age. Loving, he's, he's, he's professing, he's not old. Eh? Still got 30 years. So, so we have people that have been journeying with the Lord for 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. They're still flourishing. But I know some others. Same age, also been in and out of church and done this thing a little bit from time. Christmas and Easter, family gatherings, weddings, funerals. And then what? They're not flourishing. Friends, when we're rooted, year round, doesn't matter what goes on in your life, health issues, challenges financial pressures, economic change, we are flourishing. God wants us to flourish. 
And unfortunately, obviously so many, and I, I want to ask you to do some introspection of your own life. If you've recognized that the last season of your life has been a bit shaky, can I ask you to make adjustments, to root yourself, to plant yourself in what God has got for us. I love this picture of the palm and the cedar tree. The cedar tree, friends, you know Solomon used the cedar tree actually as beams in the, in the temple. They actually cladded the walls with it for the acoustic, um, you know, qualities of the wood. But also, when you walked in, cedar has a specific aroma. There's a, there's a fragrance. When we are planted, friends, we, the, all of that imagery in the, in the temple is all imagery of what God wants to do with us. When you're a cedar tree, friends, you are strong. You are steadfast. You carry the fragrance of God in your life. And I want to encourage you, as we, this year, as we increase, as we step into more of what God has for us, friends, can we be that kind of people? When people come into our midst, they're not going, oh, it's a nice building here. You know, the coffee's okay. Yeah, it's awesome. But actually, yes, I love this place because I, I can feel the love of Christ exuding through these people here. The palm tree, friends, the palm tree, what does that symbolize? It symbolizes victory. It symbolizes freedom and, and, and the captives being set free, friends. When Jesus came into the uh, city of Jerusalem on his triumphal entry, what happened? They put palm leaves on the ground before him. Friends, that's the kind of life God wants us to have. Now, does that mean that we don't go through challenges? My bank balance has sometimes been under some severe strain. I've made some financial decisions in the past, and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. So I make mistakes. We all go through ups and downs. Christianity is not a quick fix, friends, and it doesn't mean, you know, your, your breakthrough is waiting for you on your next giving or you need to obey what the Holy Spirit is leading you to. But friends, when we follow Jesus in every season, because both these trees are evergreen, they are evergreen, winter, summer, autumn, and spring, they are all evergreen, they are forever green, they are forever bearing fruit. This year, friends, God wants you and I to engage with these people, with these movements, with these gatherings, so that you and I, what can we do? Bear fruit. What kind of fruit? The kind of fruit they, they talk about in Galatians. Paul writes, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience. Oh my word. Okay, Gareth, now you're getting, this is difficult. Those things you don't have to produce in your own, even Christ resides in you. It's an automatic outflow. It's like when the pressure comes on, the fruit just begins to bob out of you. That's what God wants to do when we are planted. He wants us to have kindness, self-control. This week with the fast, Jesus, if you feel hungry, just have some water. I promise you it'll help you. Allow God's life to flow through you. Because when we planted, friends, we are, your life is a seed, friends. You don't have any idea the power that God can release through your life if you're willing to plant yourself. But last time I checked, in order for a seed to bear fruit, there's one small little thing that has to happen that has a massive implication for all of us. What is that? It has to die. You know the joke with, with Rambo? Comes to Mike Skitter and he's like, hey, you come here to die. It's like, no, I come here yesterday to die. Uh, we have to come to die. <laughs> Every day, I've got to die. Every single day, I've got to die. 
Because as I do that, I'm saying, Lord, not me, but you. Not my will, but your will. And as I'm planted, friends, the parable of the, the sower, Jesus says the word of God is sown into hearts. Some of our hearts at this stage is, is like a rocky path. It's like the cement tarmac outside here. No soil whatsoever. And the birds come and it's the enemy comes and he robs it from you. And some of you have had, you've allowed things into your life, beliefs, understanding. You've actually not made Christ the Lord of your life. You're just like here and you're going, oh, this sounds cool. Maybe there's something I could put in my back pocket I could use. I need you to understand God's word will not take root in your life. And your, your life will also not take root and bear fruit. If the only thing you do is that you allow the first point of, of, of offense or challenge to rip you away. I walked in here, I saw that person, they still owe me money. They're also here now, so I'm not coming to this church. Ah, I remember that one. Ah, I've heard about this one. Oh, we walked in, nobody greeted me, so I'm not coming back. Friends, that's not how God wants us to live. God wants us to be in a place where our soil is deep. But I do understand, some of us, the seed does fall on rocky ground. There's a little bit of soil. It springs up quickly. Oh, I'm so excited. This year, 2024, the year for more, I'm going to be here, I'm going to be there. But what happens with the rocky soil? We see that it doesn't last. Because at the first time of trouble, the first opportunity that you have, you know, you get there, you've got that bill that you didn't expect. And you're feeling like, where's God now? I mean, I thought I was putting my God first, and I'm, I'm, I'm living, and I want to do this. Or you, the first opportunity, you get involved with somebody, and they, they, they rub you the wrong way. The first sign of trouble, you're out of here. And then you fall back into the life that you used to live. Don't allow your heart to be rocky soil. But plug yourself in, friends. There is also, obviously, the shallow soil or amongst the thorns. And this is very important, friends. The cares of life choke it out of us. The cares of, so many times I've seen people come into the life of a church. It's January, it's February, it's March. Maybe they struggle with a sin issue in their life, and they just feel like I'm just not getting freedom. And that just, the life is, of God is just being choked out of you by that. And instead of going to, plug into a life group or speaking to somebody or coming forward for prayer and ministry and, and being vulnerable, we hold it to ourselves. We isolate ourselves saying, no, 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 I'll figure it out because when I'm ready, I'm going to come back again. You're allowing the enemy to choke the life of God out of you. Don't do it. Plant yourself in good soil because when we are planted in good soil, what does it do? It produces a harvest, friends, 30, 60, and 100 fold. That is the type of life that God wants you and I to have and to experience. And friends, that is what I'm trusting for. So I, I want to just encourage you, going to, the, to church isn't the same as being planted in a church. You know, many people say, I'll go to church, like I said. Yeah, when, it's, when it suits me and when, it, when there's not some sporting thing. But friends, you're never going to be, you're never going to grow like that if you're not participating but when you're planted, you say, you never say, are we going to go to church? My, my wife and I, I know some of you think, you know, that it's like, I go to church because I have to be. But if I'm on holiday, I'm, I'm looking for churches to visit. That's what I do. And my kids are like, but why must we go to church? Because I'm like, we don't go to church. We are the church. And Christians gather together. We're part of a movement. We're part of a gathering. We're part of a people that have been called out. God wants us to live in that. And so I want you to say, I want you to know that you don't 
just go to church. Many people say, well, I tried it. I tried it for a little bit. Friends, don't just try church. And if you don't like what's happening here, I can recommend you some very good churches. I've got good relationship with many good church pastors in the city. I can help you get connected. And if you're coming from some of those churches and we can connect, I'll chat, tell them that you've come and we'll talk about it. And hopefully you've left well and God really wants you to be planted here. But that will be the conversation we would have because God wants us to grow, friends. I want you to become like Jesus. I don't want you to become like City on Hill or like me. Like, hey, geez, I'm telling you, I'm trusting, I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm working hard on, not working hard, I'm, I'm allowing God's work in me by dying to myself. As I'm doing that, I'm trusting the Lord to do that in your life, friends. But what I've seen is, you know, someone once said, I can't remember last week's meal I had. You know? Like, what did you eat last week, Tuesday? Can you remember? Well, in my case, I was fasting, so I remember what I ate. <laughs> but many of us can't remember the meals we had, but did it have an impact on your life? You're still here, hey? it helped you. Some of you are like this, but I can't remember last week's sermon. Well, Gareth just reminded me, so now at least I know. But just because you can't remember doesn't mean it didn't make a difference. And friends, when we come together, big gatherings, life group, serving together, involvement, friends, it just keeps your roots strong. It keeps you growing. It keeps you, because every single time the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, helping us and encouraging us to, to be planted. Because I believe God wants to have rich relationships with one another. Rich, connected relationships. He wants us to be making a difference together, friends. Your life cannot, and your walk with Jesus, cannot just be about you and how close you are with Jesus. Someone once said that if the, the gospel isn't touching others through your life, then it hasn't really touched you. So Jesus needs to touch our hearts, and as he touches us, we impact other people's lives. And so the church is not a place we go to. It's not a destination or a building, but it is a people. That's why I'm saying don't go to church anymore. Come together. Come to celebrate. Come to be a part of what God is doing. Because when you, are, you and I are seed, we allow God's work to flow through our lives. And so I want God wants our roots to go deep. He wants us to have produce much fruit. And so just as I close, I want to speak to you about maybe some practical things you can do that will help you in the process of being planted. Because I know this church is a big church and, and a lot of people, you, you, know, you can feel like just a name and a face in a crowd. But God wants to know your name. He, he doesn't want us to sit in rows only. He wants us to come into circles, into small groups of people where somebody does know your name. I've just loved seeing and experiencing it for my own life, the fact that I've got people that I can call. I don't have to call the Ghostbusters when I'm in a problem. I can call on the family of God. And so I want to give you a few practical things you can take home with you. The first thing is I want you and I to look out for come sit with me opportunities. What do I mean by that? I like this illustration someone once said, they, they talk about three knots, like knots, no, knot, not a knot in a, to, in a toe, a knot, like knot. Whenever you are engaging with somebody in your life, and they say to you, you know, I'm not in church, I don't, I'm not a believer, 
I'm not really religious. I don't know, you know, I'm not really interested. What you can do is invite them to come sit with you on a Sunday. That sounds like you guys are like, what? My boss? That cashier? The petrol person? The person who, you know, my accountant, my lawyer, my, my friend or family member? It doesn't matter who's going to be preaching. It doesn't matter what topic we're going to be discussing. I know God has a way of touching lives. I, I once heard this testimony of a, a preacher who, um, you know, after one of his sermons, a lady came to him and said to him, you know what, um, you know, you, you preached a few weeks ago on this particular thing, on, on love and God's love, and, and I'm, God touched my heart, it completely transformed me, and I just wanted to say thank you. I was on the brink of, of suicide and lots of issues, and I just wanted to say thank you. And he was like, wow, thank you so much for the encouragement. And he said he went back on his notes, and he's like, I never spoke about love. I actually spoke on tithing that Sunday. God can use the message on money to speak to the deeper hearts and the needs of people. But you know what? People will respond to an invitation from you. But if I go around, hey, guys, you come sit with me here in the front. I'll come to my church, you know. That's, that's not as easy. I, I'm, I'm practicing it. I'm trusting God for opportunities as I'm discussing with people. But the first one is if someone says I'm not in church, I'm not a believer, invite them. The second one is when someone says things are not going well. Things are not going well in my marriage. They're not going well in my finances. They, I'm struggling with my children. Uh, it's not going well in my life in general. That's an opportunity. You should go, ding, 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 ding. Let me invite them to come and sit with me. Because you know what, friends? I've visited many churches. It's so much nicer when I have somebody I know that's waiting for me than walking into a big space or a different room and I don't know anybody and finding my way. And so when we do that, when someone says, you know, that they, they're not quite in a good place, and what you can say to them is, and they say, no, but I can't go there, man. Those people are holy. I'm like, well, you know, Many of us also are not doing so well in areas of our lives. That's why we go. It's so that we would get better. We would grow. We would bear fruit. The third knot is that when someone says, no, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared for that. You know, I've just gotten married. I've just had a baby. I'm not prepared. I'm not, uh, I just moved here. I just changed jobs. My schedule's a bit democrat. I'm not prepared. Then you just say to them, don't worry. You can come sit with me. I will keep a space for you. Friends, this type of thing works everywhere, anywhere. In the restaurants, uh, at your workplaces, in your neighborhoods. But you, the reality is, friends, many people won't respond. You'll sit here and you'll save a seat for them and they won't come. But imagine if they do decide to come. Upon average, it takes people four to six invitations to actually respond to someone's invitation. And you know what I've realized is that when you begin to connect with somebody and you invite them to your church, they'll say normally, and this is, happens in clocks of a lot of places I've been to, people will say, maybe you've experienced this. Oh, that church, yeah, yeah, no, someone's told me about that church. Yes, I've driven past the church. Yes, I know about them. And what I've seen, friends, I remember a few years ago, we were ministering in Potchefstroom and we had some students. They were at some hangout place um, and, and they found a girl who was, was uh, really, um, you know, very drunk and not in a good space. 
and they were concerned. They spent the evening with her just trying to help her sober up, eventually trying to persuade her to drop her off at her place to make sure she got home safe. Um, But they ministered to her and chatted through things with her, took her number, and you know what, friends? That was the Friday night. The Saturday morning, she woke up, and she had this very serious urge to get to church the next morning. And then they, this lady, uh, they followed up with her, and this lady informed them that, that she had gone to a church that she knew about. Churches, people go to churches that they know about. Not churches that are like, oh, cool, nice building. When they hear the life of God is flowing here, when they experience that this is a place of love and, and friendship and acceptance, but also that we're not staying there, we're becoming more like Jesus, then I believe God will change the world around us. And so look out for those opportunities because you and I don't know. You don't know what lies on the other side of your invitation. But here's the thing, friends. You can't invite if you're not coming. And honestly, friends, as a pastor, I want to tell you, uh, my team knows this. My, for me personally, whether this room is full or empty, I'm not determined in, my, in, in any way. I'm not phased by that. What I am faced by, if I don't see you, I'm concerned for you. That's why I'm trusting God for many people to be impacted. We're not looking for a big church just so we can have a big church. Our vision is we want to see a city transformed and a nation's disciple. Then last time I checked, we need a city made up of people. And we need to reach people. That's what we're after. And so if you're not coming and you're not planted, you're not rooted, and you're not growing then you can't be used by God to be impacted by Him. The second way that you and I can, or practical thing, is that you and I can continue, or maybe for the first time, engage in a small group or a light group. Our light groups are small groups that meet, friends, once a a week. Um, It is a place that you can meet with like-minded people. And um, this morning, straight after the celebration, I'm going to give you an opportunity. We've got some of our leaders have got a little sign-up with me. Uh, lanyards, they've got some forms, I would love to connect with you. If you are not in a light group, you may have been coming to City O'Neill for five years, 20, and I've got to be 20 years, 15 years, however long you've been coming, or this might be your first time. Friends, I want to encourage you. The Bible says that if you're a follower of Jesus, you engage in fellowship, in growing together. We gather together on a Sunday, we grow together in our light groups, and we go together on outreaches impacting our city and the nations around us. Can I ask you, if you're not connected, to even if, if, they, if you see somebody and you're like, yes, I know that person, or just does that person smile, go straight to them, say, hey, I'd like to sign up. You may not need to sign up with that person specifically, but it will help us to be able to help you find a place. I want each and every one of you in a, in a light group. We're going to do sign-ups next Sunday as well as the Sunday after that. So if this Sunday you just want to find out some more and then only sign up next week, you're welcome to do so. So friends, let's prioritize our sign-ups or small group gatherings. That's really where we grow. And then lastly, friends, you and I can get involved in some way of serving. We don't have volunteers in this church. We have people that are enlisted, people that are engaged. And if we are the body, friends, if the church isn't the building that we worship in, but it's made up of a gathering of people, then each of us, if we're a family, if we're a community, then it means we, each of us play our part. And I understand schedules and, and realities are sometimes a, a, a reality. 
But I think sometimes we use them as an excuse. And we say, you know, it's cool, man. It's all covered here. I get you. The coffee's ready. People are, the place is clean. It's all nice, man. I'll just put something in the offering box and that'll be fine. Friends, God wants more for you. And he has more for you. And I want to encourage you to enlist, to get involved in some of our serving opportunities. And the way we're going to help you with that pathway is, first of all, get in a light group. Your light group leader is going to be able to help you connect with areas that you can serve in. Because we want every person that's part of our community, every one of us, connected, committed, growing together, so that we would serve one another and serve the city that God has called us to reach. What I love about our church, because we've got so many people and so many places people can be involved in, um, most of the time people serve only once a month, so the commitment is not that heavy on you. It's maybe an hour or so more on a Sunday that you're here. It's really easy and it's really well put together. We've got excellent leaders that are leading you. I want to encourage you to pray and ask, Lord, where can I get involved? And if you don't know, we'll help you find your place. You can go to the intro desk. Friends, part of our serving is also that we're involved in the city. You may say, well, Gareth, you know, Sunday serving doesn't really feel like there's a place for me. But we've got opportunities into prison ministry now. We've got opportunities into hospital, praying for people that are in hospitals. We've got opportunities... Uh, going to schools, we've got opportunities going into old age homes, and we've got feeding schemes and orphanages, and there's all sorts of places we're involved in, and outreaches we can do on an ongoing basis. You and I should never limit God's impact through our lives by the platforms that we may perceive as uh, more or less valuable. And so as I close for us today, I want to encourage us to get engaged, to get planted into God's family. Don't shop around anymore. And like I said, if this isn't the church for you, please let me help you find one. Because God wants you to be planted and rooted there. It's His plan. It's His purpose for all of us. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are good. Thank you, Father, that you even touch hearts right now. I want to pray, Father, if there's anyone here this morning, if you have not put your faith in Jesus yet, and today as I was speaking, you were saying, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need to submit myself to you. I need to yield myself to you. You must be the Lord of my life. I want to die to myself. I want to be raised to new life in you. I want to ask you to be very bold and very courageous. To stand from your seat right now and make your way to the front. I know it's a very bold ask. But the reason why I ask you that is because I want you to have the best. A seedling needs to be taken care of. I want you to have the best start that you possibly can. If, you, if you're that, that person today... You haven't made your, your, Jesus the Lord of your life yet, but you want to do that today. Would you make your way to the front for me, please? Any person like that today? If your seat's warming up, it might be you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to give you one last opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Well, friends, I'm, I'm on the one hand, I'm overjoyed that all of you are, have made Jesus the Lord of your life. On the other hand, I'm asking you, Let's invite somebody that's far from God next week that we can give them the opportunity to come to know Jesus. And friends, I'm trusting and I'm praying that the Lord Jesus would empower us. And so I want to ask quickly all the light group leaders, if you could please stand for me, those of you that that have your, your lanyards with you, just so that the guys in the crowd can see you. Uh, friends, many of them are going to, if you wouldn't mind quickly making your way to the, to the back for me, all the light group leaders, please. Um, if you still need sign-up sheets, you can probably quickly get them from the info desk. 
And then, um, friends, as you make your way out, can I ask you, it's going to take you literally two minutes to connect. There's many, many leaders there. To take a moment to just connect with one of those leaders, make sure you've, they've got your name and your number, and that, that you are connected. Because I believe God wants you and I to be rooted and planted into His church together. Amen? Amen. Mally, thank you. Yeah. And then also, just to let you know, concerning our life groups, friends, we have groups that meet straight after the celebration on Sunday mornings here at the church building. So those of you that struggle with transport and taxis and all of those things, there are some good groups that you can connect with. We also have groups that meet here on, on Wednesday evenings um, at 6 o'clock. There are opportunities, obviously, in people's homes. Um, there are so many opportunities you can be connected in. And so I want to encourage you, as we go through today, can we be a people that's planted, that's rooted, and that's not going to be tossed by every wind and opportunity that may come, but be allow, allow God to minister to us together. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Let me just speak God's blessing over you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blessing over your people. Thank you, Lord, that we are your church, your called out ones, your gathering, your movement. Thank you, Father, that a movement is moving. And none of us can ever, forever from this moment, say that we're going to stagnate or stand still. We need to move, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would so take this seed of this word, plant it in our hearts, that it would not be stolen, would not be quenched, would not be removed, but it would yield fruit in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, friends. Make sure you sign up and have a great week. We'll see you next week, Sunday, 9.30.